You know, as I got to, uh, to church this morning, there was a question that I was not ready to answer that was actually asked of me. And uh, the question was this, did you lose a bet? And I was like, what are you talking about, lose a bet? And they're like, why are you wearing an Alabama shirt? Did you lose, lose a bet? And um, I told them, no, I didn't lose a bet because this is an original shirt for this month. Hashtag D-B-A-R-O. Dream, believe, ask, risk, and obey. All out of Jeremiah chapter 29. If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Last week, we actually started looking at Jeremiah chapter 29. We saw a couple of overarching insights out of Jeremiah 29. We saw and talked about um, despair and depression and how once it sets in to your life, into our lives, it is hard to shake off. And then we also saw, as we will continue today and Lord willing, a couple of weeks out in the future, we saw that God's at work. He's at work in your life right now. He's at work all around you. He's at work even as the children of Israel had, been, had found themselves in captivity and being led into a new culture, into a, uh, a, a loss of freedom, into this captivity, into this discipline that, that God brought. He was at work. And so we're going to continue that this morning. But before we read Jeremiah chapter 29, let me ask you a question. No answers, because I don't necessarily want to hear the weirdness. What did you dream about last night? Can you remember your dreams last night? Every single one of us dream. Usually happens in those uh, moments of REM sleep, it is the, the deepest sleep of the cycle. But for most of us, we are awakened by an alarm clock, and that alarm clock goes off. And when it goes off, we are trained to either hit the snooze button for nine more minutes or 27 if we hit it three times, or to get up about our day. But more than likely, if you wake up just by your own self, you would be more apt to remember your dreams that you had the night before. Every one of us dream. And this morning, as I read for us Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 14, there are some dreams that are taking place that I want us to see for River Bend and for you and for myself as individuals. So in Jeremiah chapter 29, here is the word that God gave Jeremiah the prophet. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
This was after King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, the metal workers, they had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, Elasa, the son of Shaphan, the son of Jemiah, I wish it was John and Tim, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And here's what it said, verse number four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have your sons and daughters and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore for your fortunes. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let's pray. Father, we, we read a passage like this, and God, I, I know that on multiple levels it is foreign. But God, as I have been praying, I continue to pray, drive it home in me. Drive it home in us, your people here today. God, may we see the dreams that we have. May we see the dream that you have for us. And God, I pray that we would be willing this morning to lay everything on the line for you, to, to risk it all for you because you are greater. We, we sang this this morning. You are greater than anything anything. God, may that resonate with me. May that resonate with us this morning that we, we know the plans that you have for us and God, we lay everything down for you.
Thank you for a passage of Scripture like this. Thank you for the opportunity we have to look at it, to, God, to, to glean your truth, to chew on it, to, to hopefully digest it and apply it to our lives and to the life of this body, your church. Father, I pray that you would speak this morning in Christ's name. Amen. First truth this morning is this, that, that dreams, dreams, they're a part of life. Dreams happen each and every night. We talked about those just, just a brief second. You thought about yours last night. Problem is, we don't remember most of them. But if you, you take this passage, there's a different type of dream. They're not dreams that are happening as you sleep for six, seven, eight hours, if anybody gets that anymore. They, these dreams that Jeremiah speaks of, that the false prophets are speaking of, that even the Babylonians are seeking to come about or bring about, are how you and I live our lives. Look there in verse number 5 and verse number 6, and we will see. Out of context, if you just take those two verses, man, that is the greatest thing that has ever happened. That's what you want. That's what I want. Look at those verses. Let me read them again for us. states this in verse number, verse number 5. It says, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage for the greatest thing, that they may bear sons and daughters. You might have grandkids. Who doesn't want that? America has elected a president. The president says, we're going to make America great again. We're going to bring about the American dream. That's what every single person wants. A house. Two dogs, a cat, well, maybe not the cat, a couple of kids, a picket fence, a swing. We want the dream. Dream is a part of life. The culture pushes this dream over and over and over and over again. They push the dream. The dream of how you and I are to look, the dream of how you and I are to smell, what we're to eat, how we're to feel, what we're to have, who we are to be. It is driven every direction that we look. The American dream. You have dreams. You have a dream how you want your life to live out. For those of us who have kids, we have dreams for our kids. We have it all planned out by the time they were in fourth grade. They hadn't even hit fourth grade, and we know exactly what we want for them to have, to be, to, to be doing. It's the dream. And I'm not saying that those are bad. The dream you have for your life, the dream you might have for your kids, what's going on in your life at this moment we all have dreams. The Babylonians had a dream. Do you remember last week what they sought to do? They, they sought to assimilate a, a group of people who were unruly. The Jews were so unruly. Everybody had come against the Jews and they had tried and tried and tried to suppress them. They had tried to just squash them. And they, 
The Babylonians are like, no, that's not what we do with unruly folks. Why don't we take their best and we just bring them into our culture? Why don't we educate them? Why don't we change their name, change their language, change the culture? And as stated last week, in a couple of generations, they'll be like us. So that's what they did. They brought them in. They brought in their greatest. We read just a moment ago the metal workers. We read that the elders, the rulers, they were all ushered in to be educated, to be changed. They had a dream. The children of Israel, the Jews, they had a dream. They were listening to a group of false prophets who were saying, hey, it's not going to be long. Why don't you do this? Why don't you just stay out outside of Babylon? Just make your community. You just live there for a couple of years and God's going to get us all back. Few years, five max. And God says, Don't listen to them. I didn't send them. They didn't come in my name. But here's my plan. Here's my dream for you. Be a part of the city. You be in the city, River Bend. Don't be of it. Don't be like the Babylonians, but you be in that city. You get a house, you get your wife, you have kids, you multiply, you increase in this place. Don't decrease. Don't forget who you are. And above all, do not forget why you're there. Dreams are a part of life. They're a part of your life. They're a part of my life. Those that we have at night, those that we have plans for our lives, they are a part of life. And they are happening in Jeremiah chapter 29. They're happening in 2018 right now. But if you take those dreams and you put them in context of what's going on right here, those dreams are nightmares. And those dreams that you have thought up for your kids who aren't in fourth grade yet, those of us who have kids after fourth grade and we still have those dreams that are there, they can become nightmares. And our dreams can become nightmares if... We don't understand the second truth from this passage. Second truth is not that dreams are a part of life, but the second truth is this, that God's dream, God's plan is best. God's dream, God's plan is best. So let's go back. I'm not re-preaching last week's sermon It was bad enough. We don't need to hear it a second time. But I asked a question last week. I asked a question for us to think about. Is God sovereign? Is God sovereign? If not, He's not God, right? Because God is the greatest entity. He is the greatest Thing being that there is. And if there is a greater entity, thing, or being than said God, He is not God because God is the greatest. Which means, therefore, He is sovereign. So let me ask another question. Would this sovereign King, this God, this great, Awesome, 
holy king. Would he trick creation? Would he trick you, me? If he's there, and he is, would God not only disclose himself to his creation in such a way that creation knows that he's there, but that he would not withhold the very best for that creation. Wouldn't he? Jesus somewhat answered that question this way in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. Right before that, he was asked, Rabbi, teach us to pray. And so the verses are there for the Lord's Prayer. If you want me to teach you to pray, here's, here's the prayer. Here's the model. Here's the example And then he does what he normally does. When asked a question, he goes not just to answer the question, but he hits underneath the surface to the root of why they were asking the question. And here's what he says. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. And then out of left field, he says this in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, he's talking about you. Hey dads, he's, he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Hey moms, talking about you. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Do you hear what He's saying? Sovereign God, ruler of everything, will give you a good gift. No, will give you the greatest gift. He's not going to withhold. He's not going to trick you. He's not going to say, hey, if if you get A, B, and C, I will think about giving you X, Y, and Z. He's like, nope. Here's everything I got. Here's the greatest gift that there is. I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to show you who I am so that you, Brian Tillman and everybody else here, so that you'll love me. Because you know me. Because I've laid everything out in front of you. Hey, children of Israel. Children of Israel, you have forgotten me. And because you forgot me, there was discipline brought to you. Because you forgot me, because your mind was on the home. Because your mind was on the husband or the wife. Because your mind was on all the stuff that I've given you and you have forgotten me, therefore discipline has come about, and I have let you go into captivity. For one reason, so that you might come back to me. Because I'm better than anything that you think could take my place. Hey, Americans, I'm better than anything that you could put in my place. I am better than the home. I am better than the white picket fence. I am better than the three-car garage. I am better than anything that you, that I, might put in front of you. 
God's plans are best. His dream for you and his plan for you. I thought about this this week. What's his plan for you? What's his dream for you? His dream and his plan for you is what you would ask if you knew all that he knows. He knows it all. His dream for you is laid out, and ultimately that dream, his dream, his plan, is that you're going to end up like him. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 28 and 29 state this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Don't stop there with that period. Four. Those whom he, God, foreknew, he, God, also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be first among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All that long sentence, all those 25 cent theological terms for this. God knew what you were going to end up like as a son or a daughter of his. He predetermined, hey, here's what you're going to look like. Here's what my plan is for you. Sir, ma'am, here's what my plan is for you. So you would look like me. Paul goes on one of his letters and he, he states, right now we look we look at him through a glass, dark and dim. He spoke to the folks in Corinth. But one day, one glorious day, River Bend, you're going to see him face to face. Just like that. And all this dream that God has for you and for me, and all these plans that he is weaving and he is working, will all come about. His dream is for you to be like him. He gives, he directs, he creates, he has what is best. Question, if you know that, why won't you follow him? If you really believe that, why won't you give him Tuesday? If you really believe that, men, why won't you love your wives like Christ loved the church? If you really believe that, ladies, why don't you respect your husband. If you really believe that, hey kids, why don't you obey your mom and dad? If you really believe that, why don't you open your mouth to that coworker who you know is far from God? If you really believe that, why don't you love your enemy? Why don't you do good to those who hurt you instead of wanting to bite their head off? If you really believe that, Brian, I won't talk about anybody else. Brian, if you really believe that he has what is best for you, hey, Brian, why won't you get in his word more and read everything that he has to offer you instead of saying, all right, I got my 20 verses in, I can get about my day. All right, I got my two chapters in, I can get about my day. All right, I spend my 15 minutes and now I've got to do whatever I need to do. God's plan and his dream for you and for me is best. So how do we apply it? 
The third truth is this, not only that dreams are real, that God's dream and his plan is best for us, but the third is this, that you and I would risk everything for him. Are you a risk taker? Never happened to me before. I'm sure if I travel more, it will happen more often. And it may even happen in my home state. But this past week, I was traveling across this great nation. It's another story for another sermon. But I came to a gas pump in Missouri. And as I got to the gas pump in Missouri, I brought out my debit card to pay for the gas. And and I put it in the gas tank. And it said, do you want fuel only or do you want to buy a mega million lottery ticket? And I was like, what? It's freezing. Am I seeing something on this screen that I've never seen before? And I was seeing something that I'd never seen before. Because I could have bought a lottery ticket right then and there. And I was like, Ooh, no, it's too cold, I, among other things. But I was like, are you a risk taker? Not trying to call you out if you bought a lottery ticket. That's not the point of the sermon. Or maybe it is. Change the sermon mid-thought. Are you a risk taker? Think about it for a second. You're like, Brian, why are you saying risk? What, what does this passage have to do with risk? Well, maybe a better word for it is not risk. Maybe, maybe a better word for it is trust. Look what happens Look what God says in these verses. Look what He does in the midst of all of the Israelites' mess. Here's what He says. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He is the one who's speaking. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to their dreams that they dream. For it's a lie. They are prophesying to you in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, For thus says the Lord, he's speaking again. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I'm going to visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise. I will bring you back to this place. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. Plans that will give you a future and a hope. Then you, church. Then you will call upon my name then you will come and you will pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you. In exile. Why wouldn't you risk everything for that person? For that person who says, Brian, I know you, I know you sinned against me, but I still love you. Brian, I know you sinned against me again, but I still love you. Brian, I know you sinned against me, yet I gave you my very best. Why don't you come? 
don't you risk everything for me? Why don't you trust me? Hey, church, why don't you trust him? He is screaming over and over and over and over again to Israel, his people. And he is doing the same to you today. Why don't you trust me? Haven't I shown myself faithful every moment of every day that you have existed? Do you not understand the promises that I am continuing for you? A future. A hope. Why don't we trust him? Wouldn't you today risk everything? Wouldn't today? Wouldn't today that we would say, okay, Lord, I give you everything. Last Sunday morning, as the sermon stopped and the music started, as the altar was filling, my prayer was this. Lord, may may this be the day that you break through. May May this be the moment that you become our all in all. Let me land the plane. God says a lot of things in these verses. Number one, he says, don't believe everything that you hear from so-called prophets of God. I don't know how many times I've told you, don't don't believe something just because I state it. Just because I say it. John writes it this way in 1 John 4, verse 1. He says, you better test the spirits. You you better test the spirits to see if they're from, from God. Which means you better know this. You better know His Word. You better be in His Word, sir, ma'am. You better not allow this moment on this day to be your time in the Word for today. For this week. He gave you His Word. He gave it to you. He didn't just give it to me. He gave it to you. Trust what you know is true and risk everything for it. His word says that we are to love our enemies. His word says that you and I are to do good to those who abuse you, that you and I are to turn the other cheek when you were wrong, that we're to forgive when we are the ones who are sinned against. We're to help those in need, take care of orphans and widows, speak to others about him. This word says, men, we're to lead our families. Trust Him and obey. It's not hard to understand, but oftentimes it's hard to do. Dream, believe. Spiritually, what are you dreaming for? It's the time for resolutions, right? You're going to forget it in two weeks, if not before. What are you dreaming for spiritually? What do you want to change in 2018? I mean, do you really want to go through what you went through in 2017 spiritually? Some of us, yeah. It was an awesome year. We excelled the heights that we have never excelled before. May may we do that and more. Some of us, man, it it was 365 days of yawning. Do you really want 365 more of those? Well, what are you going to do different? 
What's, what's he asked you to do that you have not done? He's not going to say something else to you just because you didn't like that one. He, he doesn't change. He says, hey, here's my word. Here's my plan. Here's what I want you to do. Brian, do it. And I'm not going to do it, Lord. Okay, discipline. But even in the end of discipline, what was the word to Israel? Hey, you got to come back to me. You don't have to go to somebody else. you got to come back to me. Here's my way. It has not changed. Did you learn from your discipline? If not, okay, here's the Assyrians. They're a little harder. Babylonians, Assyrians, okay. How about some Medes and some Persians? How about the Greeks? How about the Romans? When are you going to get it? When are we going to get it? He loves you. He desires you to come to him. But his way is true. Will you come? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we so much we want we want your faithfulness so much we want your forgiveness we want your grace we want your mercy but father for most of us father most of us we want our way and not your way I don't say this word lightly. Lord. Lord. It is your way that leads us to you. It is your way that shows us who you are. Lord. It is your way that brings about Every blessing that you give us. I pray, Father, that the students in this room this morning get that before they have to live 30 or 40 or 50 more years of their lives. I pray that the men and women, the adults in this room get that. I pray I get that. That we do not have to spend another day wanting to know what you have for us. You have the very best for us. Lord, may I see that. May we see that today, right now. Father, may this body trust you. God, you are working in us. Father, please continue to do that. And God, that you might work through us for this city, that we would pray for the welfare of this city, because in that, we have our own welfare. God, may we come back to you. May this be the alarm that wakes us up. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. It is a time of response for you. As we stand and sing, the altar is open. I'm here. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to. But you obey even now.